Well, today we have come to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And as we participate in the Supper here at First Baptist, our deacons are in the homes of our homebound members, distributing the elements to them as they worship with us on television. There is probably no event in the Bible that has been depicted more by artists than the Lord's Supper. Today we're going to look at Matthew's depiction of the Supper. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, beginning in verse number 17. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I am to keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Now when evening had come, he was reclining at the table with the twelve disciples. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. And being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. And he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is to go just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. He said to him, you have said it yourself. As we look at this passage of Scripture today, I want you to make four observations with me. The first is preparation. There had to be preparation to participate in the Passover. And so in verse number 17, the Scripture says, On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Now, first of all, they mention unleavened bread. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was an eight-day feast commemorating the deliverance of the Hebrews out of Egyptian bondage. You know the story. The Hebrews were slaves to the Egyptians. They began to cry out to God in prayer, asking for deliverance. The Bible says that God heard their prayer. He raised up Moses, and through a series of plagues, the Bible says that they were delivered. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread, then, was an eight-day celebration remembering their deliverance. And then he mentions the Passover. The Passover meal actually began the eight-day celebration. Now, to participate in the Passover it was necessary for preparation. They had to gather together the ingredients for the meal. They had to go through the room that Jesus had borrowed to make sure that there was no yeast in the room because that was not allowed. And then they had to set the table. Now, the table was very symbolic. There were several items on the table as they set it. First of all, there was a bowl of salt water. Now, the bowl of salt water represented for them the tears that they shed when they were in Egyptian bondage. It also was a reminder to them 
of the saltiness of the Red Sea through which they had come. You recall after they were delivered from bondage, they came to the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army was after them, and then the Lord parted the Red Sea, they went across on dry land. So on the table then, there was a bowl of salt water reminding them of the tears that they had shed and the Red Sea through which they had gone. There was also some bitter herbs of horseradish, chicory, whorehound, and so forth, which reminded them of the bitterness of their days in slavery. The days that they had, been, that they had spent as slaves were bitter days, and so this reminded them then of those bitter days they had experienced. There was also a paste on the table of apples, dates, pomegranates, and nuts. And for them, this symbolized the making of bricks that they had done. When they took the clay and the straw and they mixed it together, making the bricks while they were in slavery. So the paste then reminded them of those bricks. There were four cups of wine on the table. And those four cups of wine were reminders to them of the promises that God had made to them. In Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God. So there had to be this preparation. They prepared the table. They had all of the ingredients that were there. The preparation was necessary. Now, the Bible says that as we participate in the Lord's Supper, there is also to be preparation. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So, ladies and gentlemen, when we come to the, to the Lord's Supper, it is not just some ritual that we perform. We are to prepare, prepare our hearts for it. So, it should be a time when we remind ourselves as to the elements of the Lord's Supper. There is the bread that will be passed in a little bit. And the bread to us symbolizes the broken body of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four, the Bible says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. So, the bread then that is passed among the congregation reminds us of his broken body. That Jesus was arrested. He was mocked. He was spat upon. He was beaten. He was abused. And he was crucified. So when you have the bread, it is a reminder to us. It is a symbol to us of the broken body of Jesus. The juice represents his blood. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. So... It is the shedding of Jesus' blood through which we are redeemed of our sin. Peter said that we are redeemed with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. 
You see, ladies and gentlemen, it is through the blood that we have cleansing of sin if we go to the Lord in faith. Sins of the past. No matter what our sins might be in the past, they can be forgiven through the shed blood of Jesus. I read an interesting story the other day, perhaps you saw it as well, about a woman who worked for a bank and she lost her job for shoplifting 40 years ago. Aren't you glad that the sins of the past, no matter what they are, that the sins of your past can be forgiven? That is the shedding of the blood of Jesus. The sins of the present. No matter what you might be involved in today, my friend, according to the Word of God, you can be forgiven of your sin today. Not only does He forgive us of the sins of the past and the sins of today, but the sins of tomorrow. John said the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. No matter what our sin might be, the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to cleanse us of all sin. So as I look at this passage of Scripture, first of all, there is preparation. There was preparation for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. There is preparation for the Lord's Supper. Second observation is self-examination in verse number 21. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. So Jesus then interrupted the meal with this startling statement. One of you will betray me. Well, this raised doubts within the minds of the disciples. You'll notice in verse number 22, and being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, surely not I, Lord. They began to doubt. What, what about their commitment to the Lord? Would they be faithful to him? Would they deny him? So there is this doubt that comes to their minds. Am I going to remain committed to him? I suppose that we all face those doubts in our lives. I know that I do. I have uh, been keeping up with the Christian woman in Sudan who has been arrested and sentenced to death because she is a Christian. That's it, she is a Christian. It's happening around the world right now as Christians are being persecuted because of their commitment to Christ. But I'm especially interested in this woman. She is committed to the Lord, arrested, convicted, and the judge gave her a death sentence. She's in prison now. I read this last week. Her husband said she will not deny her Christianity. Well, I'm impressed by that, but I, I, I wonder, what would I do? Do you? I mean, if, if, it, if, if I were pressed, if I were persecuted, would I be faithful to the Lord? That. That's what the disciples are asking. Is it I, Lord? Will I, I be faithful to you? Will I remain faithful to you? So there were doubts and the dread of the possibility of not being faithful. Now, I don't think that Judas dreaded or doubted. I think that Judas knew that he was not genuine. And yet the thing that amazes me as I read this passage of Scripture, even as Jesus is responding to Judas, he does so. He appeals to him in a, in, a, in a gracious way. He appealed to him in love in verse number 23. He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. You see, the Passover was celebrated by families. Judas was a member of the family of disciples. 
He had been there. He had heard the teachings of Jesus. He had seen the miracles of Jesus. He was a part of the family. He dipped his hand in the bowl. He was a part of the family. And yet the psalmist had prophesied hundreds of years earlier, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus appealed to him in love. He is essentially saying, Judas, you're, you're part of the family. You've been with us. He appealed to the consequence in verse number 24. The Son of Man is to go just as it is written of Him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. He said, it would have been better for the one who betrays me never to have been born. He would have been better off. He appealed to truth in verse number 25. Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. He said to him, You have said it yourself. In other words, Jesus is saying, Judas, I know your heart. And my friend, he knows yours. And he knows mine. There is the truth that Jesus knows. The disciples doubted. Will I be faithful to the Lord? I suppose that Christians do doubt that. I do. But Jesus knows the truth of our hearts. And Judas was not a true believer. Third observation is representation in verse 26. And while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. When he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Now, Jesus here transforms the Feast of Unleavened Bread into the Lord's Supper by applying the symbols to himself. So, they are participating in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Jesus transforms it to the Lord's Supper and applies the symbols to himself. The Passover lamb, Exodus 12, 3, speaking of the Passover, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of the month they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. So in the celebration then of the Passover, there was a Passover lamb. Jesus is saying, I am the Passover lamb, which is exactly what John the Baptist said. In John 1.29, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the Passover feast, there was a Passover lamb. Jesus now applies that to himself, saying that I am the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb was slain for the salvation of the Jews. Jesus shed his blood for the cleansing of our sins. In Hebrews 9.14, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God cleanses your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So the Passover then is fulfilled in Jesus. He transforms the Feast of Unleavened Bread into the Lord's Supper and uses the symbols to speak of himself. Fourth observation is anticipation. Anticipation of the resurrection in verse number 29. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you 
in my Father's kingdom. So this is a, an anticipation of resurrection. It had been prophesied hundreds of years before by the prophets, and it was fulfilled when Jesus Christ was raised from the grave. Matthew 28, he is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. The Lord's Supper, then, anticipates the resurrection. The Lord's Supper anticipates the marriage supper of the Lamb that is mentioned in in Revelation chapter 19. And he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. In verse 29, he says, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Revelation 19 is speaking of that marriage supper of the Lamb. When we all come together with Jesus and there we celebrate. So, the Lord's Supper then is a time of anticipation. It anticipated his resurrection, and it anticipates the marriage supper of the Lamb. So today we participate in the Lord's Supper. We need to prepare. And my friend, we prepare by confessing our sins to him. The Bible says that it is important as we come to the Lord's table that we are right with God. In fact, Paul says that there are some, speaking to the Corinthians, there are some who are sick as a result and some who have died as a result. So the Bible says that we are to prepare. We confess our sin to the Lord. We examine our spiritual condition and ask ourselves the question, do I have doubts about my faithfulness? Do I have doubts? If so, ask the Lord to encourage you. Or is it conviction from the Holy Spirit that I, like Judas, really do not know Him? That I really do not know the Lord Jesus? The disciples doubted. Judas was a fraud. He did not know the Lord. As we come to the Lord's table, it's important that we spiritually examine ourselves. That we are honest with ourselves. Do I really and truly know the Lord Jesus? Let's bow our heads together. As our heads are bowed, this is a time for us to examine ourselves. Am I right with the Lord? If you know the Lord and you've allowed sin into your life, why don't you confess it right now? Forgive me, Father. And the Bible says if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if you don't know the Lord, I pray that you will today. Our gracious Father, we come to this time of invitation and we ask, Lord, that you speak to people's hearts. For those who are not saved, I pray today they would trust you in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with me, please, as we stand together. The choir will sing. We extend an invitation. If you're here today without Christ, come and trust Him. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. You come while they sing. I'll greet you as you do.
said therefore to him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. Our Father, as we come to participate in the supper, the elements passed among us, I pray, Father, that we will be mindful of the symbolism, that the bread symbolizes the broken body of the Lord Jesus, who gave his body in cruel suffering on the cross. I pray, Father, that you will etch that in our minds and in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen.
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Our Father, we thank you for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, through which we are forgiven of sin. Thank you, Father, for the sufficiency. Thank you that it is a sacrifice that was made once and forever is worthy. Bless this time as we remember his shed blood in Jesus' name. Amen.
Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you. 